Hello, and welcome to People First Merseyside Podcast. Today, me and Rebecca will be interviewing our guest, Tom. So, Tom, would you like to introduce yourself? Right, I'm Tom Bradburn. I'm the secretary of Friends of Anfield Cemetery, and I've come here to talk about what we hope to do and what we've done so far. And if we can help yourselves in some way, brilliant. <laughs> so, Tom, can you tell us what does the Friends of Anfield do? Right, quite a lot of things really. But essentially it's now a charity. Um, I went down to ooh, the cemetery looking for my family grave and it was 2012. I was semi-retired. I'm still teaching now. I didn't retire in the end. But I started looking around and realised just how big Anfield Cemetery is. It's absolutely massive. It's one of the biggest in Europe. And I just finished some research and I thought, there's a project here. And why I thought that, on the way down to finding my family grave and realising how big the cemetery was, I met another gentleman who'd been, well, he'd been visiting there for 20, 25 years. His name was Bob. I didn't know him then. And he came up to me knowing that I was looking around the cemetery. And he said, can I help you? I said, well, I'm looking for my family grave, actually, and I've got no idea where it is. And he then took me to where he had an archive with the burial diaries for each year. And there was my father's. And just touching it was something. It was an emotional moment. It really got to me. Even thinking about it now, it gets to me a bit. But having established where it was, he looked at a map. And he said, this is the way, come on, I'll show you. So I followed him down to the family grave. But on the way down, he was saying, you know, in that grave, there's such and such a person. And they did this, hey. And in this one, there's another grave here, and that person did that. And he must have done that about, oh, about eight, nine times before we got to my family grave. And although I was happy to find mine, I was even happier to find out that what had happened in that little journey of a few hundred yards, he changed my view of what a, what a, what a, what a cemetery was about. I always thought it was just low of respect and if you don't have to go, we don't go. <laughs> and that was my barrier. But when he was telling me about these people and the stories, I thought, wow, Liverpool's got huge history and it needs to be told and this is the largest geographical footprint from which to tell Liverpool's history and that's the way I looked at it, it changed that walk, that short walk <laughs> changed my life completely after that and so I got into this Friends of Anfield Cemetery which was made into a charity and we've been doing things ever since different projects That's very cool so yeah it- it's like this. It shows that a cemetery is not just about like a place to go to see the ones that you've lost, but it's also like it's like a memoriam to them. It's like it's like show that they existed, and there's history there. Yeah, it's very it's very powerful. That, mm-hmm. uh, people, and yet and there's a curiosity. Uh, if you, most people seem to have the curiosity. But they pass a gravestone. They try and read it. They, and they, there's nothing else there. It's just very very short. And they read it. They go to the next one and they read it. Mm-hmm. Don't know what they're looking for, 
but they read it mm-hmm. and I can only think well there's a number of reasons I suppose but I can only think that they're imagining this is a life and I know nothing about it mm. why don't I know anything about it because did it affect my parents my grandparents grand, great grandparents how does it fit in mm. with life in general and specifically life on Merseyside anyway so that's that's my quick look <laughs> quick look at that um, well, so is that, is that answer your question I think that answers that yeah, question okay, it's a good start <laughs> What is your role and what does that mean? Right, when we started, and it wasn't just me who started Friends of Anfield Cemetery or Friends of Anfield as a charity, there were about five of us who started it initially, and I was, a ch- was the chair at one stage and then became the secretary. So the secretary makes sure that all the letters that we get in, everything's correct, Everything's prepared for the next meeting. We discuss the right things at the right time. We write off to people and visit their premises. Uh, and some of them are, like yourselves, groups who just want to know. And there's others who we're chasing for funding or at least to make them aware of our existence. And this is an ideal way of making yet another group aware of our existence and what we mm-hmm. want to achieve. So, what qualifications and experience do you have to help you fulfill this role? Right. Um, Qualifications. (laughs) I I started life as a joiner for six months, then I became an engineer, then I became a project engineer, um, (laughs) and then I went into... I didn't like that. I really didn't like my life in in engineering. Mm. Some people, a lot of people do. I didn't. And looking back, I think it was because what I was trying to achieve and improve were things for objects, mm-hmm. not for people necessarily, directly anyway. Indirectly, yes, but not directly. And when I went into teaching, 1976, Easter 76, um, and I've been in teaching since, in secondary school, mm-hmm. and I, I just love teaching. So for me, that was a big change, a life change. But then, as well as that now, involved in the cemetery, um, I've got various qualifications. Um, I think the most important one is the love of being able to find out what someone did, what kind of life they led, how it impacted upon them, their families and the rest. That's my main drive. The actual qualifications, um, well, I've got a PhD, doctorate um, in education, and that was fine at the time, and that was where I'd finished, and then started looking around the cemetery thinking, well, hang on a minute, I can do that, which is, for me, looking back, is insignificant relative to what we can achieve here, then I'll go for that. So I'm assuming because of your, like, your newfound love for teaching and your... Not so, new love, not a new found love for well, teaching. That was okay, it's not new now, but <laughs> back then. <laughs> your continued love. Of, yeah. Your continued love of teaching and your story that you shared before about finding your father's grave and learning about all the other people mm. on that short walk. Is that what made you get, on, get involved with all this? 
Yeah, I think you, you, sooner or later, whatever you do in life will lead to a door that you open and you know you're there. Mm. Two doors open, well, a number of doors are open for me, family of course, and then teaching, and then this involvement in order to try and establish in the cemetery, which is huge as I say, an international heritage and visitor centre. Mm -hmm. So all people of different types get can actually put something there for visitors to hear about. Mm -hmm. Whether they are there to tell it doesn't matter in one way. But the fact that something is there representing them and what they want to express. And I think if we can get that centre going, um, that's how did you first find out about the cemetery and the plan to build an international heritage centre? Right, okay, how did I find, as I said before, our first time was when I semi-retired mm -hmm. and I went down to do my family grave research or family research. I met Bob. That was the first time. I, uh, that was a big walk and a change in my direction of my life or part of my direction of my life. That was one thing. There was a chapel, a uh, 100-foot spire, empty, derelict. It was the only one remaining of three that was originally on the site. And Bob and I, I said to Bob, wouldn't it be good if we could turn that into a heritage centre so people could come along and learn about all these stories? And that's how it all started. Um, and we thought, wouldn't it be good? But over the years, the people we contacted, and ev nearly everyone who's well, everybody who's listened to us, except one person, has said, "That's brilliant. We've got to do that." But the problem is, where are you going to get the funding from? Mm. And that is the big problem. Yeah. Thank you. So, Tom, when did you first start researching the history of the cemetery? From that day one, which was 2012, uh, Bob sh was kind enough to show me around. He had found some papers that were in a drawer, mm -hmm. and someone in the past had stacked these papers up about certain people in the cemetery, uh, cut out some newspapers, and, the, and he said, this is the information we've got so far, and that started us off with regards to getting more research about more people. And remember when I came to see you previously, mm. a, few yes. months, yeah. a couple of months ago, I gave you these cards, each one with a story on, and you were kind enough to read them out. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Mm. So yeah, that's when we started and it's continuing. And there's lots, lots of different people from a range of life, with a range of lifestyles. Mm. and. I, I think you've got to include everyone. Yeah. Simple as that. Show us everyone on like the different walks of life. <laughs> Rich, poor, mm -hmm. different races, whatever. You, everyone should be able to put a contribution in if they can and then have their say through the lens of Anfield Cemetery. Hmm. When, how does the Friends of Anfield raise funds where does the money come from yeah and what is it spent on okay we've had um, probably 
three projects funded uh, and other items because we exist, let's say exist, uh, we're involved in it. We, don't, we haven't got a site, we haven't got a site presence, but because of our interest, other money has been passed over. So we've had approximately £430,000. A number of the, most of that was for on site, besides that one chapel, there's two huge catacombs. They're mm. probably about, I'm guessing now, they're probably about 100, uh, let's see, maybe 100 yards long. It might not quite be that, it might be 80. And there's two of them, there's no roofs on them. And they were about to crumble. So Historic England, who they funded uh, the restoration of them, to the tune of about 270 and Liverpool City Council gave about 30,000 pounds to take all the trees out. You've seen old derelict buildings with trees coming out. Well, this is worse. This is like, you can hardly see the, you can hardly see the structure. Um, so that's been done. We've had five or oh, 50,000 50, from the Heritage Rotty Fund to look into the possibility and design heritage centre with architects and so on. Um, we've also had 11,000 something or other um, to put these heritage boards I mentioned to you with stories of clo people close by and the boards are like tabletops and the stories and they were done the text on there was done uh, compiled by positive Positive Futures, mm -hmm. who are, and you may not know them, they're a charity in Everton. Uh, they're for youngsters between the age of something like 8 and 25, I think, and need a little bit of support. Well, we teamed up with them and we produced these heritage boards and put an outer heritage trail around the cemetery. Only 13 boards, but they're big. <laughs> and the stories of them, as mentioning before, uh, just amazing. And we only know, if we know 250 to 300 people and their stories, I would be amazed. There are something like 600,000 people. We haven't even touched the mm. stories in there yet. We haven't even touched them. Like it's, it's hard to even like comprehend like that many people with their own individual story. Yeah. Mm. Well, Bob used to say, this is not a, to him, this is not a cemetery, this is a storybook, mm -hmm. and each one is a page, each grave is a page. That's, a really, right. that's a really good analogy, yeah, I like that. Mm. So, speaking of the Heritage Centre, do we know, like, what will be in it when it's, like, yeah. finally built? Yes, let's assume it, there's funding, and let's assume it's built. Mm -hmm. So, the chapel itself, which is grade two, I don't know whether you know about the gradings from historic England type. I'll give you an analogy. If you think in terms of football, the first four in the Premiership, they would be grade one. Mm. The people in, or the teams in the whole of the first, of the Premiership, would be grade two star. Now the cemetery is grade two star. So one is the higher, Grade two stars, the next one down. Grade two star. Others, grade two, until you get below the football league. And it's just everyone for themselves. <laughs> so, um, 
The cemetery itself is Grade Two star, and it's only it's one of only two in the whole of the north that's on the at-risk register. So, what we want to achieve with this, with with, this, with the heritage centre is use the existing chapel and then build a large extension at the back, a large extension at the back, ground floor and mostly glass glazing, mm. um, and first floor. With that, because there's, I'm getting a bit, I'm, I'm throwing about too many, too many <laughs> facts here, but the building itself will have three areas and they will be devoted to people who are, have just been to the creme or having a, a funeral and they've got somewhere to go then for meals and etc. The other part would be for exhibitions and events and conferences and so on. So that's what will be in it. There'll also be training facilities uh, for people training in heritage and other things. Um, so that's what we hope to achieve. That generally, that's what's in there. Mm -hmm. It won't be a church as such. It won't be a morgue in it at all. But it's mostly catering. And the reason we did that, there are two thousand. It's amazing. This there are two thousand cremations a year. 2,000 in Anfield, mm. Anfield Creme. So it's about eight a day approximately. Yeah. So we reckon that the funding from that, the income from that, would keep us easily keep us going. And on top of that, we've got the heritage and the history and attracting tourism to show them what we've got and tell them the stories. Just like, and I'll give you Glasnevin in Dublin, is uh, is one Arnest Vale down south and the other one would be Highgate Cemetery so if you look at those on the net and you find out what they do how many people they can attract if we get anywhere near that it'd be, it'd be superb mm. but the problem is uh, normally visitors uh, it's mostly seasonal and that's where the catering for the 2,000 cremations uh, and people f visiting them um, would keep us going anyway. Other areas are just built on visitors. It, the visitor economy can be quite seasonal. Mm -hmm. So we'll have the two. And ed education, of course, we'd be uh, hoping to improve certain aspects or deliver certain aspects of education for schools and, and the like. And generally, that's about it. How many people are there in the Friends of Anfield Cemetery? Well, in our charity we have 12, 12 trustees, 12 trustees. And we have a Facebook, it's got about 900 odd people on and, and the like. But yeah, that's essentially that's it. So how would someone become a part of Friends of Anfield Cemetery? On our website, it's friendsofanfield.com. Um, if you went on there, uh, in fact, we on that on that site we announce when our morning meetings are, which is about every six weeks, Saturday for an hour and a half. We listen to how things have gone on. We try to project ahead, plan who who needs to see who, etc., and report back and develop towards our ultimate goal, which is this cemetery, uh, the, mm. the heritage centre. At the moment, 
we're actually on an application at an application stage which will be a two-year and it won't be to build it's actually to prove to funders that we can achieve what we said we want to achieve when we eventually we hope get the center and that is we want to involve a, a wide range of people in getting involved in what in possibly video this type of thing where we're talking on the uh, about the, themselves uh, and about their loves and what they want to do um, and getting involved in tours and maybe volunteering in that respect so if we can prove that we can get a good response in those two years we've got a chance of then applying for a lot of money then in order to eventually build the center but we've got to prove ourselves first mm -hmm. so let's say someone wants to visit a specific grave at the cemetery like the grave of their grandfather, but they don't know where the grave is. How do they go about finding it? Well, um, for instance, uh, the last week we've had through our site, friendsaroundfield.com, um, in inquiries, what we get is, um, I wonder if he could help me. We're looking for a grave of such and such a name. This person is my great, great grandfather, or whatever it is. Um, he died in such and such a date can you tell us which grave he's in and can you give us directions mm -hmm. so that's part of our income we do that we, mm. part of our income we we search we find sometimes um, a lot of time to take we go down there and take photographs it takes a lot of time to do that so uh, and then compile it and then send it back off to the the inquirer so we will have a map of the, of the, of the cemetery then the section and then there's another one with actual grave numbers and where they locate and how one relates to the other. So for instance, if there was a headstone and we say, right, it's there, you can easily find it. There's no headstone. And a lot of the time there's no headstone. And you think, there's nobody buried, but there are. So what we do is, if you look at the nearest number above, the nearest number below, as it were, visualize a line, and then you go from the side to side. So you form a cross, you cross here, and that's the spot where the person is, where the people are. <laughs> and we give that information out there. And for that, we get a small donation, and it helps us to keep our website going, and our insurance, and helps with our events. Are there some interesting gravestones? What can the gravestones tell you about the history? Graves, oh, gravestones themselves, oh yes. There's um, it's quite a range. Obviously, well, uh, in recent years, the more sort of about a metre high or so, and black, and rectangular, and stand upright with gold letters. They're the most popular these days. But when you go past, you see some fantastic shapes. And you, who thought of that? <laughs> and there's amazing, some amazing shapes there. We had this morning, we had, um, I took a, my wife and I, Kathy, took a, took a, a, a small group of youngsters with two teachers from um, St. Vincent's School uh, for the visually impaired. So they've, they've no chance of seeing what these gravestones look like. And every now and again, we'd stop and I said, right, just touch that, get some image, get some feel about what it, what it is. Feel for the material, feel for the shapes, and they are amazing. 
they are some of them artistic, really artistic. And you think, there's others think, why would they choose that? And I, if you go round sometime, if you want me to take you round, I'll, I'll, I'll take you on a tour um, and point some of these things out as well as the interesting people that are there. So how exactly do you research about the history of the cemetery? Well, a lot of it is on the net. A lot of it from Liverpool City Council's um, archives. They're the main things. We, I didn't mention before when you said about how much money, etc. There was £30,000 which was uh, set aside for what we call a conservation management plan. And that is how you're going to look after the cemetery, what's there in the first instance, what needs attention, and how are we going to go about it. Mm -hmm. And that's from the council's point of view now, not for those friends, but we're involved in, in that production. And there's a lot of information there as well, because the professionals who produced this document had to do a lot of research, old um, old maps, and how changed over the years. You, you can go back and see how many farms, how many fields, etc. Why is it called Anfield, etc., etc. There's reasons all of those uh, partly come into the old maps. Mm, very interesting. Can anyone be buried in um, in the cemetery? Can you choose your buried there or or are some people not allowed to be buried in the cemetery? Um this is my interpretation now and you'd have to check on this. But anyone who pays the fee to be buried in the cemetery can. As far as I'm I know. I don't think there's any exclusions. Um and people use, because the cemetery is roughly in three major areas, each one with a, a number of sections. But let's take one as an example. There's the nonconformist. They're not Catholic, they're not, in, they're, they're not Church of England, nonconformist. So in that, that's where people are normally buried who don't have a particular religion. But there's a Church of England group of sections and there's a Catholic group of sections and certainly going back it was you would be, if you were a Catholic you'd be born you'd be buried in one of the Catholic sections and so on and so on and so on so I don't think there's any exclusions certainly that I, I'm aware of there isn't mm. the none that I'm aware of so are there like different sections depending on like what religion you follow or that was faith? essentially the layout mm. um, I think if there's a plot somewhere nowadays you could say, look, uh, although my family, or if I want to, if, if, if there's a plot there, I'd like to be there. Hmm. Could I? And when, they don't ask you religion necessarily, or at least it, will, it wouldn't determine whether you could be buried there or not. Mm -hmm. These days, whether it, it did previously. I see. I see. Mm -hmm. Are there any people with disabilities buried in Anfield Cemetery? Is anyone researching this? Do you know what? That's, that is a lovely question. That I'm sure out of the 600,000, there must be, just proportionally. At least one. There must <laughs> At be, least there one. There must be, mustn't there? <laughs> there's, there's a, 
Bob had done some research and he found some information and there's one apparently one coffin there's only a leg in it no he's found another one which there was only sand in it there was one person buried sitting down so that's not quite answering your question but the range (laughs) Strange, How exactly it? can but you be buried sitting Wouldn't down? it be lovely if we could have some, a board there and it's all about people with disabilities and we want to remember them as well. Mm-hmm. So, is there an archive of all the information about Anfield Cemetery that people can visit, like, somewhere in the cemetery? Or oh. on the internet? Uh, you'd have to go on the net and most of the information that's on the internet, a good portion of it, either comes from Historic England uh, comes from uh, ourselves to mm-hmm. some of the people that we know about um, and it, I said before we probably know 250 at the most maybe mm-hmm. 300 and there's 600,000 there. so it limits the, the, yeah. the possibilities are enormous the work your work is definitely cut out for you they're only just starting <laughs> really yeah who was your favourite person buried at the Anfield <laughs> Cemetery? Every single oh, one of them. which is your favourite <laughs> life story? Every single one of them. But uh, going to life stories, um, there's a, there really are. There's, those that we put up on the boards, the, the 13, that 13 boards, they're all brilliant stories. One that comes to mind, I suppose, and another day I'd say it, something else, but there's one there, and he's our Chinese Che Guevara. We call him that, Chinese Che Guevara. And what it's about is that this is a Chinese gentleman, uh, pre-1900, and he was in China, and at that time, the Qing dynasty had control of mm-hmm. China. Before that, other, other Chinese dynasties existed. Things were that bad that he became a revolutionary. Yeah. And he wanted to overthrow the Qing dynasty. And this is all on the on the book one of the on the boards. And he then took part in a revolution. At about eighteen ninety six, I'm I'm guessing there, but it's of that era. And it was brutally put down, it wasn't successful. It was brutally put down. He escaped. But what happened to the other? A lot of the others was horrendous. Uh, he, got, he escaped, became a lecturer. In, I think it was in Japan. Eventually made his way to the UK. But in that time, he went back to try. He went back to try and assassinate the Princess Dowager between the Summer Palace and the and the Summer. Oh, I think it's two buildings. The oh, they forgot. Whoa. Forgotten City and the Summer Pass. Yeah, but there are too many. Um, too, we'd, we'd say police and armed force, but there's too, too much security mm-hmm. there at the time. So he, he withdrew. He dabbled in <sighs> dabbled in gunpowder, and he was an unfortunate guy. This not only did his revolution didn't work at that time, but he blew one of his eyes out and damaged his hand. And then eventually he came to the UK and to raise money to send back for another revolution. Mm-hmm. He met with a fellow by the name of Sun Yat Sen. And they 
I haven't got a transcript of what was said, but this fellow, Young, continued trying to raise money. Sun Yat-sen went back to China. Meanwhile, because Young had this, it seems, had this belief that if you walk into water and drown yourself, other people will take notice of your cause and contribute. And that's what he did on Crosby Beach. He walked into the water for that reason, it seems. Well, people would argue, no, it didn't for that reason. But that's what we've, we've gleaned so mm -hmm. far um, to raise funds. Now, I said he was an unfortunate bloke. So there's one. The other one was the attempted revolution. The other one was hand and mm -hmm. his eye. Um, but within a year or two, Sun Yat-sen had actually taken charge of China. He was the first, the first leader of modern China. He's just an unfortunate guy. You know, really amazing. Yeah, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? So that's one nice story. <laughs> As a story, I wouldn't like to have been there at the time. That's only one you want yeah, to live involved. out. But it, it's, it's a story that's worth speaking. I think I'm right in saying that Subsequently, Sun Yat-sen uh, produced, got, had, not, um, had, I think, five or six martyrs um, sculpted. And I think one was Sun Yat-sen, uh, was young. Mm. Uh, we've, we've got to yet get, mm. get that uh, verified. But in the writing, it does seem as though he's, he's included. It did, it, that wasn't his proper name, Young. His, uh, his name in China, I've forgotten that. But um, Yang or something like that. Can't mm. quite get it. So, I feel like all this stuff about the cemetery and talking about these people's stories, like before they died and all that, I feel like that kind of relates to some of the stuff that we do on our David project. So, we were wondering if at some point we could visit the cemetery and perhaps have one of these information boards that you talked about, about our David project in the cemetery? I think that'd be wonderful. I think it'd be absolutely superb. Yeah. So, with this application that we're going to put in for the National Lottery Fund, mm -hmm. uh, we could include yourselves as a wider range of people getting involved in heritage, and that'd be one of the results. Not only that, as part of this bid, do you know you've got QR codes? Yes. You scan a QR code, you can get information. Well, we hope, with the funding, to put posts like that with a QR code on, mm -hmm. and people can put on, and then they can find, or they will then be able to listen or watch information that is then put on. And it wouldn't be good. Mm -hmm. And that's what, we're, that's what we're hoping to do. Widen the stories... Uh, and, and increase the numbers of stories uh, and to have different people's stories there I think that would be wonderful hmm. Anyway, this has all been very interesting Tom so we would like to thank you for coming on to our podcast today and for sharing all this information about the Friends of Anfield and all the wonderful work and history that you learn about and for sharing it on the podcast with us so thank you Tom You're very welcome and thank you everyone for listening to this episode of People First Minnesota Podcast. We hope you found this all very interesting. I'm certain that we did, didn't we, Rebecca? It's very interesting indeed. <laughs> so, 
you can listen to us again in two weeks' time for our next episode. See you then.